Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. So Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Father, uh, that you speak uh, through me. I humble myself, Father, to you for that. I thank you, Father, that um, when words go forth, that there is a weightiness on your words, that the words are uh, not just words, but they are containers of your spirit and truth that will enlighten and open eyes. So, Father, that we would know who we are, what we have, what we can do in Christ Jesus. So I thank you for that. We give you all the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. And before we get into the message, I just want to put something on the board here. Uh, this this uh, is something that came to me, I don't know how long ago, but I just think it's really makes, uh, it, it just like came real quick. And I just know I'm not smart enough to get anything that quick. It really was the Holy Spirit. This, and I just wrote it down real quick. So this is just for all Christians. And the Lord said this, spiritual laws cooperate with them. Graces receive, discover, and labor in them. Promises possess them. Commandments do them. Authority exercise it. Callings answer them. Gifts of the Spirit flow in them. Well, that's about enough for 300 weeks of preaching there, isn't it? But, um, and then also the Lord gave us this too a while back. And, and that's just this, it's the believer's arsenal. It's the collection or supply of weapons or munitions. So this, a bunch of other stuff, the name of Jesus, we have that. We have the word. We have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We have the gifts of the Spirit. And we have the fruit of the Spirit, which you can call secret weapons. Uh, because that fruit of the Spirit's on the inside. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and, and, uh, and, and etc. So that's just, I just put that up there to remind us even, we're not going to speak on that today, but just all the stuff that we have. So getting into today, uh, what I like to start off and say this, that we have to remember as Christians that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We, we are, our wrestle is in the realm of the spirit. And so our power then is also in the realm of the spirit. So here's the text that we want to use today. And uh, it will go a few different directions. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, uh, very encouraging to start off today, isn't it? Uh, For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So we can only go up from here, right? So this phrase, um, behaving like mere men, I think that's an attention getter. When you think about behaving like a mere man, it, it makes a distinction of two different types of humans, people. The natural, carnal, or fleshly person and the supernatural, alive in Christ person, okay? Now, here's a few other translations, too, because I like these descriptions. It helps us to see this. Here's the Young's translation. It says, the manner of men. So, you're, behave, you're acting or behaving in the manner of men. That's how you're walking. And then the Amplified says, behaving yourself after a human standard and like mere unchanged men human standard. We have God's standards, don't we? And then here is the New English translation. Are you not 
influenced by the flesh and behaving like unregenerate people. And then uh, one last one is new living. Aren't you living like people of the world? So there is a supernatural walk, and then there is this other walk. It's a carnal natural walk. So today what we want to look into is supernatural is greater than natural. Real simple. So we're going to look at three main things today. Uh, first is whatever we feed takes the lead. Secondly, God's help to live in the supernatural because we can't do it in our flesh and our strength. And then lastly, cooperating with God. In other words, practical things on how to do that. So number one, looking at that, whatever we feed takes the lead. So let's go back to those scriptures and the different translations and think about this, uh, the, what those scriptures and the words that they use. You we can either do this. We can either live in the manner of men or yield to the nature of God, our choice. We can either model human standards or model God's standards, our choice. We can either act like unregenerate people or act like people alive into Christ, our choice. We, we can either live like people of this world or like the people of God. It's always our choice. So all of those things are set before us, and we can choose this day which one we want to do. We can choose every day. So we don't have to stay the same after we receive Jesus Christ as Lord. So the natural man, we could say this, the natural man thinks one way, but the supernatural man thinks another way. The natural man behaves one way, but the supernatural man will behave in a different way. And the natural man talks one way, but the supernatural man will talk differently. So that said, we're going to just look at this about um, what we want to do is like really portray this uh, thing about natural, supernatural, two different things. So I'm going to just tell you a story. You've heard so many of these stories, so have mercy on me. Maybe I tell these stories because I miss the days when I used to be a bodybuilder. <laughs> I especially miss them when I look in the mirror. <laughs> but you know that I used to do that. And so when I was 17 years old, somebody warned me not to go into bodybuilding. They said, if you get big muscles, they said, what's going to happen is when you get older, your muscles are going to turn to fat and they're going to be all, you know, droopy. Well, I was only 17, and back then, as you heard my other stories, I wasn't a real studier, like I didn't do a lot of research back then and read, wasn't the biggest reader. So I thought it was good advice. But then I started to, it's like when I got out of school, that's when I kind of woke up because I was no longer being persecuted by the Catholic nuns. <laughs> the way they corrected me made me rebellious. As soon as I finished there, I, the rebellion seemed to leave, and I, I began to apply myself. <laughs> There's a parenting lesson in there. It's real subtle, but just take it. <laughs> so, I mean, because when I, when I got out of school, I, I ended up with a real estate license. I had a certificate for refrigeration and air conditioning. I became a machinist. I was a musician, and I don't know what else. So I'm just saying, but, but while I was under... While I was under all of that other stuff coming at me, making me feel like a loser and, and, and the correction and all that stuff I got, I was rebellious as you could imagine. Just, I'm just saying, okay, that's all I need to say there. So, we, we, uh, I was, let me get back to that story now. 
So I, I actually read, and what I found out is, here's what I read, that muscle doesn't turn to fat, and fat doesn't turn to muscle. It can't happen because there are two different kinds of cells. There's fat cells and there's muscle cells. So here's the thing, fat cells, they, they both grow and shrink, both muscle and fat cells, and it, it's depending on how we tend to them. So when you get older, if you stop lifting weights, your muscles shrink, but if you keep eating like you're lifting weights, something else grows. So what am I saying? We have two components. We have the flesh and the spirit, and whichever one we feed will grow. So if we starve one, it will, you know, kind of the way that you want to help your flesh is to starve it. So we're going to look a little bit into that. So look at this scripture, Romans 13 and verse 14. It says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So the word provision, it means, if you look it up, it just means it's the providing or supply of something. So if you have provision, you have providing and you have supply. So when you think it says, it says make no provision for the flesh. So making provision for the flesh is giving it something, giving it something that it can feed on. Okay? I can just elaborate on that the rest of the morning. I don't think I'm going to use my time there. But um, it's really up to each individual to kind of examine, are you making provision in that area? And I, later on, I'll get a little more practical on that. But, so, but here's what we'll say for now. D don't feed the flesh. Don't provide stuff that will keep it alive, keep it active, and keep it stirred up. Because when that happens, you know, it, the flesh has desires and gr will end up gratifying those desires. So the flesh has its desires and it wants to be gratified. But here's the thing. Our part is... If we feed the spirit and starve the flesh, we can overcome the flesh and keep it under. Here's another story. Now, this came from a, a, an older Indian, Cherokee, in the United States. That, and so you understand that um, this person wasn't a born-again Christian, but had very good insight, even though he wasn't a Christian. So he said this. Uh, one evening, an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He had that insight even though he wasn't a Christian. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside us. So he kind of has this insight about this battle that goes on with people. One is evil, which is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego, he had a wonderful vocabulary. And then he says, the other is good, which is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee simply replied, replied, the one you feed. What wisdom. He, he just gave a great illustration there. Now, 30 years ago, uh, when Patsy and I, we were living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
I think that, yeah, is that right? And, um, and so, you know, you have friends there. You, we, we worked kind of like eight hours a day there. And so we had our Christmas break, which was two weeks. Then we all came back to work. And so I went over to her department because we worked in different departments to do morning tea with her and some of the ones that worked there. Now, one of the ones that works there is very well known in the body of Christ, a very fruitful minister today. But he said this to us, you know, we're saying, how, what did you do? How did you, you know, how was your vacation? That kind of thing you, you do when you're sitting there having a tea. And he said, you know, he was very honest, very humble. He said, I didn't read my Bible for those two weeks. And uh, I just decided to do nothing. So he said this, he said, it's really challenging to get back into the word. And then here's what he said. He said, I fed the flesh for two weeks and my flesh liked it. And I have, I'm right now, he said, I'm having to make a quality decision to get back into the word of God. Now that's not to make anyone concerned or anything, but it's just another illustration or story that, you know, uh, if we, if we, maybe you haven't been feeding your spirit and that relates to you. But all you have to do is make a quality decision do not allow guilt or condemnation to come on you. Guilt and condemnation, that's kind of like the story I told about myself. When I was in school, that, that kept coming at me, and it made me rebellious. And it just built up for the whole four years I was in high school. And I think I told you the story. At the end of my four years, I, I gathered a group of people, and I marched into the library. That, that was the Catholic nun that gave me the most grief. And we wreaked havoc in the library for my revenge, because I wasn't a Christian. But that guilt and condemnation made me so rebellious. So, so if you, guilt and condemnation doesn't work at all. It makes everyone actually worse. When you think about it, when Jesus ran across the lady that committed adultery, he said, you're forgiven. Then he said, go and sin no more. When we tell people not to do stuff before they're, they know they're forgiven, before they're born again, it works kind of contrary to the way it should work. It's, it's like doing it opposite, okay? So anything I'm saying today is not to bring any of that, but you just have to know you can get out of it. Wherever you're at, and if you're not satisfied where you are, it isn't your self-discipline that's going to make a difference. You just make a quality decision and start feeding the right thing. Real easy. So we could say the supernatural man is fueled by God's word and his spirit. Here's another story. Uh, this, this happened about, you know, uh, maybe 29 years ago or so. I, I um, of course, I'm going to compare what I'm going to do is I'm going to compare my father with Patsy, my wife. So my father, he liked to argue with salespeople and those that he did business with. Now, we lived in Italy for nine years, and if you go to the markets, you see when Italians go to the market, what they do is they try to bring the price down, and they're, they're really loud, you know, speaking in Italian, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. You know, I'm Ita I, tr I do a lot of talking with my hands myself. Sorry about that. It's the Italian thing. But so you go to the markets, and, you know, and you're just trying to bring the price down, and everyone's going, and they're going like that, you know, <laughs> like all that stuff. You know, Italians. My my, my German friend once told me Italians, you can't live with them and you can't live without them. <laughs> Wasn't very nice for a German to say. But nonetheless, so, I, so my father loved to argue in America, which is not Italy, and, and you don't bring the prices down on stuff that's sitting on the shelf. 
but he would try it anyway. So then, you know, we moved to Italy, you know, and I still, that was like a, long, a while ago, so it seemed like I still had my father, more of him in me, the, the carnal, natural man, than the spiritual man. That's the way I think about 29 years ago is when we did that. And so what I noticed here is that with Patsy, she would talk to people, and she would talk polite. She would say, please and thank you. And she would be, you know, smile and be so nice. And when she, and so she got such, she had such favor with store owners or whatever kind of service she needed. And I noticed with my father that, you know, he would just get louder and the other person would get louder and he would try to get things from people. And he really never had a lot of favor or got that. So, but I noticed almost 100% of the time, there, there were times that something happened with Patsy. She may have lost something and she called somebody like the lost and found and the way that she talked to them, it's almost like they went out of their way to serve her because of the kindness and all of that. So what am I saying here is like, look at Proverbs chapter 15 and verse one. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Well, that seems to work around the world. Uh, we were in the Paris airport. Um, we were leaving Italy to go back to the States uh, uh, and, and I just happened to buy tickets that went through Paris. And uh, so we're in the airport, and that's a long time ago. I trust I've improved since then. But there was like this American guy. And, you know, when a plane is delayed, either for mechanical reasons or weather, it's not the person behind the counter's fault. But this American guy was there, and he was like screaming at this French lady behind the counter about his plane being delayed. So I, and, and I, I trust I've improved, but I told Patsy, I'm going there right now, and I'm going to shut that guy up. You know, I mean, I, it was like embarrassing. And she grabbed me and says, you're not. Can't you tell he's ready to fight just like at a drop of a whatever? And so she wouldn't let me do it. But, but it, it was kind of embarrassing. And I wanted to go and tell him to, Staisito. That's like, a, means be quiet in, in an Italian dialect. It's not even proper Italian. It's the Calabrian dialect. But, um... <laughs> So anyway, getting into all kinds of stuff today, aren't we? So here's what I want to say. Patsy acted like a new creation and was always blessed with good service. My father acted like a natural carnal man, and he had to argue and fight for a lot of stuff to get better service most of his life. He did eventually get saved, and he became nicer. So here's the thought. The, the strongest person isn't always the loudest person. It isn't always volume. And the strongest person isn't always the best disputer. It isn't always how good you can dispute. So these are just some things that we can learn. So you see that there's the natural man and there's the spiritual man. So let's move on to this and let's talk about now like God's help to live in the supernatural. So one thing that God does, and it's amazing, he's done so much for us. So after we receive Jesus as Lord, it doesn't stop there for how God is doing things for us. So look at Colossians 4 and verse 12. It says, Epiphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Well, I think that's amazing because here's a guy, and, and I love it because it says, one of you. It's kind of like when we said, hey, Go across the room, greet somebody, spend a little time, talk today. It's because we're all, we're one of us. We're all in it, one of us. He said, this guy, one of you, 
He didn't say apostle. He didn't say prophet. He didn't say, you know, what. He said, this effort, he's one of you, a servant. I like that. And then he says he's struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. So God did everything. He sent his son to sinners. Jesus paid this great price. We we humble ourselves and receive Jesus as Lord. But then there's more. There's somebody that's probably praying for you as soon as you come into the kingdom. It's just so awesome that what God does for us. It is somebody that decided to themselves, they decide to give themselves for somebody else. And I know there's people sitting here, you've decided to give yourself for somebody else by praying and doing these things. So Paul knew this guy because he wouldn't have been able to tell the story if he didn't know the guy. Paul knew this was going on, okay? Now, here's Paul. Look what Paul said about himself. Uh, Going to Colossians backwards and going to 127, it says, and here's Paul speaking, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So Paul just uses a little bit different terminology. He was living and giving himself to present everyone mature in Christ. So the other scripture says that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Very similar, but two different ones praying for the church at Colossae. There's people praying for you right now. There's people praying for me right now. There's a bunch of people that are always praying for someone else. This is what God does. So Paul had this assignment to present everyone mature in Christ. God put that in him. God put it in him. And he couldn't escape from it. Now look at this next verse. The next verse he says, for this. For what? To present everyone mature. This is what he was taught. For this, he said, I toil. The word toil in the Greek simply means, it means to work. But then he said, now struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So think about it. It's far from a natural man striving in the flesh and doing self-discipline to get a group of people to be better and more self-disciplined. It, was, it wasn't that at all. It's all supernatural. Supernatural is greater than natural. So he is saying, I'm struggling. Now that word struggling in the Greek, it means to be a combatant in the public games. So that was used back with the ancient Greeks when they fought in games and stadiums and whatever. That is that a word from there that you're fighting, maybe a gladiator, whatever. That's kind of Rome, not Greece. But, you know, they pro- the Greeks probably copied off the Italians, just kidding around. <laughs> but so it's like, it's like to contend, to fight, to strive earnestly, that word. That's what it means. And then, it, then he says what God's energy it wasn't, his, it wasn't his strength. It was God's energy, not his strength. So this energy in the New Testament, that word, it, it's used only of superhuman power, whether of God or the devil. So, that, you know, the devil is a spirit. So he, he's kind of superhuman. But that word, so when Paul says it, he said, I'm toiling, I'm working. 
And then he said, in this, what I'm doing, I'm struggling, uh, like I'm in a, playing like a contest, contending, I'm fighting. But then he says, with all his energy. So God put this in him, and then God gave him the energy. And then he goes on even further, this superhuman thing, that he powerfully works with me. Now that word powerfully, that comes from the Greek word dunamis, which we get our word dynamite. So it's like when we get saved, God assigns people to pray for us and it's his energy, supernatural, and it's like dynamite power, this prayer going out for us that what we would, we would grow up. So like Paul's mission was get people saved, get them established, and get them ready to work for, for the Lord get them ready to like give themselves for somebody else. So when we moved here uh, about 17 years ago, and, um, and you know, maybe you're thinking, why don't you have an Aussie accent? And so if you were 50 years old and moved to another country, could you change your accent? Just have, so have mercy on that. So it was, it was hard to change after 50 years. So that's why I haven't been able to do it. I tried early on and my daughter said, don't, don't do that. <laughs> Just stay the way you are. My daughter's back there. Uh, sometimes I try. But that's not really the point here. But we moved here 17 years ago and Patsy, you know, met up with some ladies that, that they all had this kind of heart that they give themselves in prayer for others. So for the last 17 years, almost once a week, Patsy and about four other ladies, three or four, they've been praying together for 17 years. But when they get together and pray, it isn't about stuff for themselves. It's about for other people. It's about the plans and the purposes of God. And we have many groups here that pray not really for themselves so much, but they're praying for the plans and the purposes of God. And God is even calling right now. I know in my spirit, he's calling some of you into this, even right now, as these words are going forth. Hallelujah. So now, here, here's like a, here's a trick question. Should Paul, when Paul taught and when he prayed, did he pray that Christians would be more dedicated? Because that sounds great, doesn't it? But here's what we really see in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So there again, Paul's always praying. But then look at the next verse that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may make you dedicate yourself and make you serve and make you tithe and, and make you discipline. No, he didn't, none of that. He said that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? So here's what we could say about that. The, the answer to the trick question is, Paul prayed for greater revelation because revelation fuels consecration. Revelation fuels everything. When you know who you are, when you know what you have, when you know what you can do, etc., you'll do it from the inside out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So with that said, let's talk about this next and final thing we want to look at today, and that's like cooperating with God. Cooperating with God. So when we think about that, it means God does a part 
and we do a part. And if we cooperate, now one, one minister said it this way, when the natural and the supernatural come together, it becomes an explosive force for God. So, you know, we're flesh, so I don't mean carnal, but I mean when natural cooperates with supernatural, good things happen. And so we are fleshly people, but when we receive Jesus Christ, we became spiritual also. So with that said, when we talk about cooperating, it's like knowing what does God do, knowing what we do. So Ephesians 3.20, I'm just going to look at four scriptures real quickly to remind us. Look at this. Notice the part that I underline, and uh, it says the power work at work within us. So there's power working in all Christians. And then look at this next one in 2 Timothy, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And then look at James 4, 5. Notice at the end, dwell in us, the Spirit in us. And then notice 2 John 2 says, because of the truth that abides in us. So we have the Holy Spirit and power in us, but we also have truth in us. So then let's get to the scripture now that we want to see and how it's said in Philippians 2.12. That says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So we see everything that God did. He sent his son. Jesus came. He became sin. He suffered. He was buried. He rose again from the dead. He ascended up to heaven. He gave his Holy Spirit. He gave gifts unto men. He has us prayer assignments and, and people praying for us. But then, and we have all this stuff in us. But then it gets down to this real practical thing where it says, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, it's our, that's our responsibility. So the supernatural, we can say, starts on the inside and it, it shows up on the outside. Now, getting a little bit more into this, uh, James 1.21, it says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So this is more like even practical on how to do what we're talking about. We when we say we're going to work out our own salvation, work it out. So then James gives us a little more insight. So here's like a couple steps here. He said, first thing, put away all filthiness and then receive. Put away that and then receive the word. So notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say have hands laid on you. It doesn't say have someone pray for it. And this is for like working out your own salvation. There, there's, a, there's a time for laying on of hands. There's a time for agreement and prayer. So I'm not belittling that. But when it comes to growing in this way that we see working out what's on the inside, particularly that I'm saying, it doesn't say that laying on of hands will do that. It doesn't say somebody praying will do that. It doesn't say if you get a prophecy, that'll do it about spiritual growth even. Or it doesn't even say if you can get motivated. Go, go to a motivational person because none of that is, it's not talking about that. It's talking about put away the filthiness. In other words, wrong behavior, you make a choice to set it aside and then you humble yourself. Meekness means teachable. You, with a teachable heart, you receive the implanted word that's already on the inside. Okay? So that's just, you know, 
really what that means. So let's even think about this, like when it comes to growing and maturing, for every Christian to grow and mature, there really isn't a shortcut. There's no shortcuts. And I, I accept that. I mean, I would trust everyone can accept the fact that there isn't a shortcut because we have to apply what it says. So um, for any believer, if you're trapped in any kind of a thing, you simply make a decision and say, I'm going to set that aside. I'm going to put that aside and I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to receive the word. So notice here, here's what, here's like breaking this down a little bit more. The first thing that happens when we get saved is our spirit is saved. Our spirit is made brand new. We're cleansed. And our spirits, it's like God comes in with his spirit. Our spirits are not our flesh and our spirits are not our soul. It's important to know that. So somebody once said, your spirit cannot be possessed by a devil. It's important to know that. There's some people that think, well, uh, Christians can be possessed by devils. Your spirit can't, the devil can't get into your spirit. It belongs to God. So when you receive Jesus as Lord, that's a secure thing. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You become a new creature in Christ. Okay, so that's the first thing that happens. But now, after that, we become supernatural on the inside. But our minds... And that's what this scripture is talking about. Our minds need to be renewed. Okay? So you can be secure that you're in Christ, you're seated in heavenly places, that's your spiritual position, you're new creatures in Christ, all of that is very secure. But then it says, renew your mind. So we could say this, and we need to cooperate with God on this. Uh, if we put aside the ungodly activities, and why is that necessary? as long as you dabble in the ungodly activities, you're probably not going to humble yourself to God and receive his word if you're dabbling in that kind of stuff. Okay? And so, like, like let's think about, it's like, I said I'd get a little more practical, and I'm very aware of the time, so uh, don't be concerned that we're not going to stay here all day. I, I'm going to let you out at 2 o'clock instead of tonight at 6. <laughs> Just kidding again. <laughs> but... Like, I'll give you an example. So I have a different, you know, I have a different hairdresser now. And just even two weeks ago when I went to get my hair cut, she was alone at the shop. She's married with two children, okay, just so you know that. But I was able to share the gospel with her because no one else was there. I was able to go really clearly over how to get saved, which was awesome. It took months for that to happen. But then my previous hairdresser was right up the road here in Springwood, and that was a big shop with a lot of people always working. So I'm sitting there getting my hair cut, and um, they were talking about the Game of Thrones. And so somebody, I think my hairdresser said, do you watch that? And so I thought, you know, the only way to get people saved, you can't condemn them and put guilt on them. Jesus told the lady in adultery, you're forgiven. Then he said, go and sin no more. So if I would have said something about the Game of Thrones being terrible and all that, it wouldn't have helped get them saved. So I'm thinking really quick, you know, with a lightning quick brain, you know. Uh, here's, here's how I responded, because I wanted to make it light so they laughed. I said, my wife would never let me watch that. I thought, I was thinking, what can I say to get a little, little bit more conversation going? 
instead of cutting it off. I said, my wife would never let me watch that. And then so one of them said, but it's good for both of you. You know, it's a win-win. And here's what that lady was saying. She was saying, that's like a spark for intimacy. And if you watch that, so, you know, I don't know if you know it, but we didn't watch it because it's, it's in the category of mild pornography. So I'm just doing some pastoring here. Don't shout me down. Uh, but I'm just going to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor here. If you go to the world and see and, help, and let them help put a spark of fire in your marriage and intimacy that way, that's the wrong place to get the fire. So I'm just giving you some practical things. Who wants the world to inspire us in any kind of way? And so we watch a detective show. It's a clean one. And, uh, you, you know, because you have to watch everything. Uh, what's what's going to come on there? But, but in this detective show, um, I'm trying to think, I, wh what story was I going to tell now? Um, the what? Oh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's been going on for about eight seasons or so. So about in the sixth season, one of the detectives, her, her fiancé got killed before she could marry him. So she left the force for a couple years, you know, to... And then she came back. So when she comes back, it's like they're, they're wanting to get into people's lives. And so it's like Hollywood getting into somebody's life, letting you see how they deal with stuff. And, I mean, it was like total, like, no victory. Because they don't know, she didn't know where he went, and she's not going to know where she's going. So there was no victory there. And so as Christians, why do we want to watch stuff like that? You have to know and identify, that's not me, that's not us. So we watch a detective show. We watch to see who committed the crime, but I'm not taking that. And there's a lot of stuff out there that we don't have to take. Who wants the world to teach us how to grieve or whatever or have? You know, Lindy Sweet's right sitting here. She's, she can teach quite a bit on that, on how that situation and how she has victory. Um, so this is what I'm saying. I can give hundreds of things, but I'm very aware of the time there, so I'm going to quit there uh, with those stories. So let's just finish up today. So you set aside those things, and you receive with meekness the implanted word. It's already on the inside, but even though it's already on the inside, it, we're told even though it's implanted, we need to, with a teachable attitude, receive it with that which is already in us. So one way that we could say that is like, what is teachable? Well, teachable would be like this. Um, I teach about, um, in Bible school, when I do Bible school, I, I teach 30 hours on the subject of healing with my Bible school classes. So if I'm sitting in a church and I've taught it for years, if somebody's teaching on healing, if I sat there going, I know that already, I taught that. Mm, you know, that's, that's not teachable. So like I had Kevin, I have Kevin, uh, you know, we call him Rev Kev. When I have Kevin minister on healing, I sit there and I receive. I don't think, oh, I've heard that before. I taught that. I know that. That's not teachable. You see what I'm saying? So to receive the word with meekness means that we're teachable, even if we heard it before. That's just, so we're running out of time today, and that's all I'll say today. But we could say this, a saved soul means that we think like God, and thinking like God changes us. So we get changed on the inside, but it says receive with meekness what's already implanted there because it will change this. And that's when we actually start talking and acting like who we are. So, Father, I thank you for everyone uh, here today, Father, everyone that's sitting in our 
church building. I thank you for everyone that's watched online, Father, and that will watch online in the future, Father. I thank you that these words, Father God, that I trust that uh, there is a simplicity on how to set things aside that we need to be set aside, how to humble ourselves and receive the word, how to work out our salvation, Father, because supernatural is so greater than natural. So, Father, I thank you that if anyone is with us today that doesn't know Jesus as Lord, I thank you that you've been speaking to them throughout the entire time that we've been together, whether here or online. Thank you for speaking to hearts that do not know you, that your word is softening, that your word is revealing Jesus the Savior. We thank you for that. And then, Father, I thank you for any believer watching online or in this room, Father, and that they, they need, they've been dabbling in some things in, in today, not out of guilt or condemnation, but out of revelation, they know that they need to set that aside. And then I thank you, Father, that they know it's time to be meek, humble themselves, and receive your word so their minds are renewed. So I thank you that that's going on with that category. And then lastly, Father, if anyone's with us today and they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that you even speak to them and let them know it's a gift that's beneficial, that makes a difference, Father, that there would be a hunger to be filled with your spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I thank you for that. In the precious name of Jesus. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.